Hey everybody, Chris Chipman, aka The Chippa here, just to let you know, right before this episode starts, I want to tell you about a very awesome thing my friends over at Cinemaspection, Tim and Corinne Luz, are doing on October 24th. They have an all-night 12-hour horror marathon to take the place of the one that would normally be going on at the Coolidge Corner Theater here in Boston. So listen to them talk about that really quick. I hope you all can join in. Um, so thank you so much, and please show them your support. This is going to be a blast. Hey, before we get into the show, we have a big announcement to make. Now, normally in October, we spend at least one great Saturday night up all night at one of the local movie theaters watching a 12-hour horror movie marathon. That's not happening this year. So we're going to try and do it on our own. October 24th at midnight through October 25th at noon, we're going to be watching 12 hours worth of horror movies, and we invite you to join us. Uh, we will be tweeting along to these films under the hashtag CSHorrorthon. Uh, we invite you, please, come join us and say snarky things or let us know how much you love or and hate the films that we're watching. To make it easier, we've picked movies that are all currently available on Shutter for October. We're going to be starting off with The Color Out of Space at 12. At 2 o'clock, we'll move on to the original Phantasm from 1979. At 3.45, we'll be watching the Hammer classic The Vampire Lovers. At 5.30, a more modern horror tale, Darling, directed by Mickey Keaton. Just around the time that something kind of weird is going to make you feel loopy. So that's the best slot for it, I think. Now, for 7 o'clock, we had hoped to get to Larry Cohen's The Stuff, but unfortunately found out it's no longer on Shutter. so we're shifting over to Lamberto Bava's Bizarre and Wonderful Demons. At 8.45, we'll go way back to the 30s with The Old Dark House from James Whale, a really classic horror comedy. If you've never seen it, it is worth every second. So if you have to make a decision and you want to take a nap between movies, you can skip something you've already seen, but definitely come see The Old Dark House. And because it's always good to wrap up with something really fun, at 10.20, we're going to be watching Dead Heat with Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Tons of fun. I love this movie. I've seen it one time. <laughs> one time. And I can't tell you how much I love this movie. It is ridiculous. It is a mess, and I love it. I will have been awake at that point for probably about 36 hours, and me typing about this ridiculous movie will be fun, so please join us. Yeah, we'll be punchy and, and weird. It's going to be great. In between the movies, we'll try to have a few extra little surprises, and uh, maybe we'll even do a contest. We're still working on that. But please join us. So October 24th at midnight to October 25th noon. Details on our Cinemaspection Twitter account. So stay up late with us and watch some horror movies. Okay, now on with the episode. They shoot the shit. They shoot, they shoot the shit. Shoot, 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 shit, shit, shit. Shooting the shit with Chippa. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Shooting the Shit with Chippa. This is yet another episode where I am interviewing people whose movies were in Salem Horror Fest 2020. So um, if you missed the premieres, I'm sure uh, all of these films I've been talking about and all these people have a bright future ahead of them especially in the fall um, horror convention and horror film festival virtual sect happening right now. Um, so I don't think this is the last chance you'll have to see them. 
So please seek them out. And if you are still in Salem Horror Fest 2020 with an all access pass, there's still plenty of good content over there as well, which I'll be digging into. Before I get into who my special guest is, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons, which is a growing, insanely long list at this point. But I promised I'd say your name, so that's what I'm going to do. It's Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin C.V., Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, Collaborating Online, Alex Shaw, Seth Comfort, Seth Decker, <clears throat> Andrew Krause, Little Nikki, Robert V. Aldrich, Aaron Moriarty, and Carolyn Thompson. And to my newest patrons, Ralph Lund, Luke Donnelly, Tom Painter, Cassandra Ragucci, Carolyn Thompson, and Brian Bescia. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Those of you that have joined recently, all of my patrons have a chance to win a signed copy of the last blockbuster documentary. One of my shows, if you don't listen to it, is the Talkbuster podcast, all about video rental and the video rental industry. I am an ex-blockbuster employee myself and was really excited to see this film. And the store manager of the last blockbuster in the world in Bend, Oregon, signed it. The film's director, Taylor Morden, signed it, and I signed it. And if you win, you'll get that copy. It's open to every patron of mine. So get on over there and join. As little as a dollar gets you a chance at winning that flick. And this is brought to you by Skeeter Plays, a YouTube Let's Play channel started by one of my very best friends, Steve Brennan. Get on over to Skeeter Plays and watch Steve play all kinds of crazy games. I'll be on there soon. And with that, I'd like to introduce... Um, today's guest, writer and director of the film Danny and the Vampire, a film that you can hear my review of. I absolutely loved it. It's a blast. Um, I highly recommend checking it out, listening to the review, and then listening to this if you uh, haven't seen it already. It's Max Workmeister. Do I have that right? Correct. Awesome. So, dude, uh, introduce yourself to my listeners slash the internet slash the world. Uh, yeah, my name's Max Workmeister. I, I wrote and directed Danny and the Vampire, and uh, that's, I mean, you pretty much hit all my best achievements, I guess. So, <laughs> that's, geez. Um, uh, well, then podcast over. We're done. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, you know, is, is this your first film? Uh, yes. Um, um, of feature, any type? For sure. Um, feature, I did, for like, sure. a student film, you know, like, and I, I've done, like, my own animations here and there and such, but this is the first, like, real production thing that uh super super cool i mean it it it, like everything and and again i feel like i've been saying this till i go blue in the face but it's not it's not a line i really do mean it it like all of the other films at this festival do not look like first time features you guys really did a lot with what you had i i really mean that um it's it it was a blast um i mean you, you think back to the movies you and i probably grabbed off the the horror shelf when we were kids and there were a lot of things that got theatrical runs that uh, looked like they cost, you know, a fraction of what it looks like you guys get on the screen. So <laughs> it's 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 really impressive to see that before I get into, you know, Danny and the Vampire, because because I, I dug it and there's a lot to talk about. How how does Max get to Danny and the Vampire? Like you said, you, you dabbled in a lot of stuff. When, where did you go to school? You know, what was the inspiration for it? You know, where do you come from? All that stuff. Uh, ever since I was yeah, just just um, little, I was always doing creative things. Well, creative in the sense of the the umbrella term. They weren't creative themselves. They were just ripping off things I'd see on TV, I guess. But then I just um, I, I just kept kept drawing things, doodling a lot, um, and uh, and writing. Especially throughout high school, I wrote tons and tons of uh, things just sitting at my desk. I had like a little folder of 
I don't know, Monty Python-esque songs and, and, uh, and stories and things that I would, and character lists and things like that. Um, and so I was always on the trajectory in my head for, for film school. So I went to the film school at Fairleigh Dickinson University uh, in New Jersey, which is where I met Alex, um, who's in the movie, obviously. And, um, and I just, yeah, kept at it. It wasn't like, um, I, I just needed to do something. I just found myself doing a movie. It was just, it was pretty much just always what I wanted to do. Um, just, uh, any, any writing and directing for, um, TV and, and, and movies. So, uh, it wasn't too much of an odyssey. It was more of a one track mind of just, I got to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And then I got to film no. school and then my first project, I, uh, I remember I, I, I didn't really know how to do anything and we were just kind of told for the very first thing we were doing go and make a short about like this theme and i went and i was fiddling with the camera on the first shot trying to get it on the tripod which i had no idea how to do and it flung <laughs> off and it's and it slid like 10 feet down the hallway <laughs> i went over to pick it up and on the long walk over i remember thinking maybe i'll just switch to creative writing or something <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> i think most which I think most film people feel like if they haven't had experience before uh, film school, uh, there are a few people I remember who kind of disappeared after the first semester when they're like, it's more fun to talk about this than to actually do it. So fuck this. Um, but I just stuck around anyways, uh, maybe because I was lazy. And then uh, and then uh, ended up uh, appreciating uh, the process more. I still don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like production whatsoever but um i more appreciate it it's so if you surround yourself with other people who are craftsmen and stuff and can really uh really um people say you surround yourself with uh, people way more talented than you and that's that's the fun part that's when it gets good when you can actually just have everybody involved who knows how to do everything better than you do and then you just tell them what to do um it's that <laughs> which which is awful but uh it no but that's there, there's there's a there's a positive uh, spin to that in that, you know, if telling everybody what to do is what you're skilled at because the vision's in your head, then surrounding yourself with people like that just makes you get better at the thing you're good at, um, which is, I know that's, you know, kind of like putting a Band-Aid on, on, on what you said, but I, I think of that the same way. You know, I'm, I'm an engineer. I have to deal with all day thinking that I have no idea what I'm doing. And people come to me and go, oh, man, I just want to work with you because, you know, you're so good at organizing and this and that. And I go, yeah, but you're the guy that crunched all the numbers. And I don't know how to do that anymore. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> There is that trade off of everybody like being impressed by each other. Um, like because I've done I basically throughout film school didn't really make anything. I was just like jack of all trades kind of person. I would edit stuff for people. I would do lighting a lot. Um, but again, I didn't know like, the technical know how of lighting I could have. It burned any place down that we were in, but I knew how to do ah. it creatively. So I, I could sit there and be like, oh, what if we put, you know, a 150 back there and, and hit them there? And then we, we could use this to fill the background over here. And that creates a shadow like this. And I could kind of like sculpt something. And then, you know, people would go, oh, oh that's great. Yeah, 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 do that. And then I'd have to figure out how to actually do it. <laughs> so it's, you know, you just, you learn like a little bit of everything, which is kind of a bad thing to do, I guess, in, uh, when you're actually in film school sometimes because people don't know where you slot in um but um if you do know how to do everything once you do get the opportunity to actually direct and steer everything then you know how everything works and uh can um and and the the base knowledge that you have also 
works great when you do have people who are more talented than you because you have such a low bar where you're like, okay, we can maybe do something like this and use this in, in, in its place. I'm being vague on purpose, but it's you, you kind of have like a very simple setup in mind to try and achieve something. And then the other person who's more experienced will be like, oh, they can take your idea and run with it and be like, oh, no, we can do this, this, and this. And you're like, we can? So, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, then I'm changing the whole plot of this damn thing. <laughs> so, so, um, how did the movie come about? Did you did you have it written and then you brought the team together, or what? You said you know you knew you knew Alex from film school, and you know she just is that character, right? There's no there's no way around it, right? There's not, you know that I, that's one of the things I loved so much about that character is she. She feels lived in. She feels like there was an entire, you know, three movies of madcap adventure before we ever see her here. Um, and and that's really important, I think, uh, to to a character like that, because you have a very focused like space and time thing to tell. But she needs to feel like she's not a caricature. And was that kind of. Um, built with her in mind or together or collaboratively or was this a no you had this whole thing figured out and then the team kind of came together yeah the idea about there being previous stories is not that far off because the first real like actual project i got to make and and like film project i got to make with other people outside of when i was like nine years old with my friends um um two of which uh composed the movie actually um oh cool uh, <laughs> we uh um my my thesis film for film school was this thing called the Jersey Devil, and it, it starred Alex as that character. And it's like a twenty five minute short, so not a very short short, but it's um, it started just as an idea of what if there was like a chupacabra on on a college campus. It was just like a very very broad premise, and then thinking about what kind of character would come into a, a come into opposition of it. And I remember thinking of kind of um like a, a subversion of a final girl. So it's like somebody who's drinks and smokes and fucks and, and is just kind of cool. Um, but maybe has a, a little bit of a, a past with a monster and is trying to get people are trying to drag her into this, uh, Jersey devil on their college campus, um, doing all this stuff. And, uh, and she doesn't want any part of it and then kind of gets really into it and then kind of loses her mind by the end of it. And I thought that seemed like a really, um, long, uh, arc to take someone on in what was supposed to be about 15 minutes. So I decided to make her more proactive than reactive, which completely flipped the character and made them very bold and brash and um, uh, much uh, uh, goofier right from the outset. So I, I was, I had sort of known Alex just from bumping into each other in like the hallway, we would stop and then we just kind of not have a real conversation. We'd like deadpan joke with each other for a little bit and then we'd be on our way. And um, I remember thinking like, yeah, she's really funny. And and she's in like every film student or every student film that we have. And she tends to be like a love interest or like sort of a voice of reason or, or something. And, and she's not that sure. She shouldn't be. I don't think she's not being, uh, um, her talents aren't being, uh, exploited enough. Um, so I, I kind of wrote it with her in mind. And, um, and so every time I would be going through and writing big dense, strange things for her to say i would stop and wonder like could somebody do this and i was like oh well i have alex doing it so it'll be fine and um, <laughs> and and uh and we made the thing and uh it was tough but we made it and then we put it out somehow people enjoyed it uh, the few that watched it and then um it just kind of 
went by the wayside and uh but the character never really left my head so in the years that followed i was just wondering what she'd be up to but she probably wouldn't really have that happy of an ending like after the happy ending it would probably get worse for her she wouldn't she can't really be satisfied i just was thinking about what would happen with that character and i thought well people would probably hear about the incident that took place with the jersey devil and maybe have a misconception slightly inspired by when we showed the film and people would be excited by it and then they'd just say something that i didn't even think about or it's like oh they're not getting out of it what i thought they would it's disappointing ah. and so that translated over to people are really into her uh dealing with this devil one person doesn't even understand what really happened the other person misconstrues why she did what she did and uh and that would set her on a trajectory that would kind of loop back into that original idea of character with the past with a monster who doesn't really want to be involved but then sinks in deeper and deeper and deeper so it's like now i could do that original idea and there is precedent and uh it'd be it, it would be a a fun thing to do and when i started to think of it being a first feature it sounded kind of ludicrous and i had to preface it when telling people who knew about the student film like you you don't have to watch like the student film to understand the movie like i'm, I'm going to figure it out it sounds ridiculous that to 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 make a feature and sink all this time and and expenses and uh, energy into something that is technically a sequel to something like you know uh, like 100 people have seen but um i i just didn't even really mention it if i could to anybody who would be involved in the production just to kind of test it to keep people from you know if some if somebody brought up like i don't understand this or like is this a sequel to something then that would set off alarm bells but for the most part it didn't really happen so i just kind of snuck it by as much as i could to make no, it seem like uh, it was a first time thing and and used uh, that trope of like lone wanderer and like a, a western rolls into town has a past and then you kind of unspool it and hopefully none would be the wiser i think the closest we get is when she specifically details that she was trying to impress people from high school and that kind of is so specific that i, I think may it might set off some bells for people that there's something missing but uh yeah no, it, it works really well. And, you know, I didn't expect it to have that, you know, mystery about her character because the movie is so, like you said, your, your inspirations and backgrounds, Monty Python-esque. You know, did you set out to make a horror comedy? Did you set to make out, make something like light and funny? Or did you set out to make more horror and then this is what kind of spilled out of it? Because it, you know, horror comedy is a super hard thing. And, um because you end up going too far in one direction. And when this movie needs to be a horror film, it is. Um, and not not even in gore or anything else, you know, just in the stupid stuff that Danny does. You know, you can sit there and go, oh, that's kind of awful. But at the same time, it's really charming and I'm glad it worked out for her. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you kind of go, and, and I love that about the character. But, um, you know, what was that your intention? Was the original film that same uh, tone? Or, or sorry, the, the the first you know try the, the short student, student film. film. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's very similar. I feel like um, a lot of times if you have like the character nailed down, it kind of they kind of dictate the tone because you're seeing the world through their eyes. So you're uh, they they're they kind of commandeer unless you're doing something maybe more voyeuristic with her. But um, yeah, because she's so lively and energetic, and she sees the world as as I don't know, the the way that she does, and um, it kind of tonally translates over even when she's doing terrible things it's played like it's cute because she's cute you know so it's all good um but the the genre wasn't something that i really had in mind starting out even with uh, the student film i guess really it was just like a general premise and then character came and then took over the whole thing and then 
this was just what what happens with that character and everything spun out of her it wasn't um i wasn't like i want to make an idea that's something kind of feels like this movie or like uh, i don't i want to make a movie about this specific theme or anything it was just what's this character doing where are they get like wh- what would happen to them what would they be going through emotionally and then it just kind of turned into the movie and then when you do that you start everything crystallizes it's like writer brain goes and finds all the uh, the themes that you're maybe unintentionally planting and then you go back and you really uh lean into them even further and and crystallize the the themes as much as you can um in a in a satisfying way so that it has a structure and then the director brain goes and and uh, anchors it to something that feels maybe uh, uh has a specific mood um it's almost like tone i think of as being writing and i think of mood as being like shooting and production and the, uh, yeah. and editing, the actual filmmaking part in my head yeah no that's that, that makes a lot of sense yeah, so it was very like uh, it's very organic and and <laughs> just this nebulous thing, and that's why we throughout production I just called it a, a Western influence supernatural indie romantic dark comedy. Yes, um, people would ask it me is. what it is, and it's like, I didn't even use the word horror because we never really like intend to scare anyone at any point. So I felt like that would be disingenuous almost because we had tropes like the vampire and everything, but it it, uh, it all came just it just kind of was what it was. <laughs> so I feel like uh, I like any kind of genre blending and something that can't be uh, anchored down to just one uh, particular thing. Well, you succeeded there because it's, it's, you know, I, I had a hard time, you know, and I just, just to get people, you know, interested, you know, there, there's a lot of people I know that if I had said, you know, it kind of reminded me if, you know, Ash versus evil dead and new girl kind of got smashed together, they'd probably go, Oh, that sounds terrible. And I'd go, no, 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 no. You're I'm missing something in my explanation there. Cause it's, it's more it's than a very that, difficult it's, thing to sell. <laughs> Cause it's but, like, but it, there's no specific genre and there's not really that much like to come. It's like, it's like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, yeah. Ash versus evil dead, uh, uh observe and report. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. <laughs> And, and, you know, it's, and I'd, I'd love, I, I want to get this in front of people's eyes because you went so wacky with the genres. Cause you know, it's, you, you know, I, I think of movies, you know, there's some, there's some Scott Pilgrim, there's some Edgar Wright in here too. You know what I mean? There's, there's all that kind of like, we're looking at a particular type of group of people. Like, I love the fact that the vampire Remy is so many years old, but he's played kind of coming from the same crowd as someone like alex probably knew in college you know he kind of has that you know kind of you know younger you know not really quite sure of himself has a lot of you know adult vampires quote unquote that he's looked up to to kind of get his ideas and what he's an activist about and those might not necessarily have been the most fully fleshed out ideas but he's going to stick by them anyway and i i love that whole relationship between the two of them why did you choose vampire like is now that you've told me okay it came from the jersey devil thing and that brilliantly is her backstory that's you know done throughout the movie why why did we dial in on vampire uh yes but because it came from um that idea of two kind of factions like grabbing at her to pull her back into this world of monsterdom and uh she uh uh, the idea that she would have to kill uh, this uh, this creature or one person would want her to save them and then they, she would take off on her own with with this character it would just have to be some kind of monster and knowing that i wanted to actually make the thing i thought well vampire you just give them some goofy teeth and and yep. that might be a little bit better to do than a werewolf or something that uh 
might be a little more outrageous. And um, and so I thought, yeah, okay. So when you think vampire, immediately you crystallize this like idea of of the go-to archetype of somebody who's more punk and uh, abrasive. And uh, it sounded, uh, I don't know, uh, kind of tr- something that's been trodden ground before. And I wanted to see something that would uh, play well with uh, Danny as a character and and be a good foil and partner. And um, I had just written just on my own time, like. I don't know, two or three scripts that all basically ended up being like two people on a trip together arguing constantly. And <laughs> um, which I thought, just, let's just do the exact opposite of that and stop falling into that. Although we I kind of fell into it anyway with Kane and Margaret. But uh, I, I set a mandate where it's Danny and this vampire character can literally never argue. So what if they get along really well? And it's just like fun to watch them being friends instead. Like, how do you create you know a, a conflict or you know every scene has to have conflict you know they say and what's how, how do you keep that um from uh falling into the uh the breakup scene or something which never happens again like i stuck to it they never argue about anything they may disagree here and there but they never like fight or anything um and uh oh, it, it, it's adorable they're like completely smitten with each other it's great yeah, like, and I had so much fun with that. That's what worked out is that the conflict just came from their interests being at odds with the world around them. So it's kind of they functioned as one unit, so that without being one character. So that uh, turned out to be a little easier than expected. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, and again, you know, it's we we talk about a lot about Alex because she is she is Danny. You know what I mean? And there's there's uh, God. We we could talk. We could do an entire podcast over how great of a character that is. But then you have Remy. Henry Kylie, like, was that someone you knew as well, or was this cast and you just like hit gold with this guy? Like, what? Um, very much the latter. Um, I was very nervous about finding somebody to play Remy because it needed, you need, he, you need somebody who's likable because he's like basically killing the dog at the end, you know. So, I don't oh know, yeah, I guess it's a spoiler. <laughs> Maybe I should preface that. Uh, yes, earlier. I. I I'm, I preface everything with spoilers, but yeah, and me and P, and people have probably listened to my review, which again, it, it's impossible to talk about these movies without it. And I, I've told other people, kind of weird, I guess, just start listening to this without yeah having any yeah, I, idea of and, No, and I, and I've told other people, you know, I look at you know when you're trying to get a, uh, you know, when you don't have a giant studio behind you to jam your movie down people's throats, the best thing is word of mouth, and we're you know musicians have learned this you know nowadays like when you're in a like indie punk band or whatever the best thing is to just go hey here's here's my whole album or here's most of my album here's how i sound do you like it cool if you like me enough i produce this myself so why don't you buy it you know what i mean and a lot of the time people still do you know and and that that's the way i look at this is it's like i i I could probably go well it's it's all shadowed in mystery and but at the same but at the same time it's like no i want people to know this is a really fun friggin movie full of great characters and even hearing me describe parts of it you got to get out there and really see it on screen because you know it's it's a visually very cool movie too and so so, so back to remy like how how does because he's he's perfect there and i wouldn't even call it a foil he's just the way you get introduced to him it's you know in, it's in this jail under which which I thought was a really cool addition that the jail the front is like the business that they're running which is like a weird oddities shop you know like you'd find from the side of the road museum sorry I love that thing um a really really cool addition 
But when we're introduced to him, even like when you see him in the cell the first time, he looks like he could be dangerous. And the uh-huh. movie doesn't the movie doesn't give you fun Remy for your first introduction. It gives you the she could be letting like a rabid wild animal out of a cage right now. And he nails that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, the the character became such a thing of um, uh, he would play off of Danny. Well, I figured because, well, not only I, I, I kind of skirted ahead with uh, the vampire thing, but it wasn't just because I mean, initially the idea was because it'd be just easier to do production wise. But then on the other hand, it became thematically very relevant because if somebody was bitten by a vampire when they're a little younger in their 20s or something, then it felt reasonable to keep them like Danny in a state of arrested development where they both be very um, uh, just uh, bright eyed at first, like world world is their oyster, but Danny is unhappy with that. And Remy is very happy with that um, is the, the difference between the two. The key thing, both neither of them are yep. pursuing their, 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 their ultimate goals their their biggest desires because it could be hurtful for those around them. Um, so the story could kind of go one of two ways, which is uh, either, you know, the vampire shows, uh, Danny, that uh, she can appreciate little things in life, even if you know time is fleeting. It, you can take joy, even in just I don't know whatever uh, trendy tchotchkes are around, and uh, uh, all the all the, the very uh, simple things that he spends his time doing. You know, exploring, meeting different people, even if you'll never meet them again, and uh, just uh, uh, living a life. Um, or you can go the other way, which is that Danny uh, tries to empower the vampire to indulge in his selfish desires and ruin uh everything around him which uh we went with the latter because it felt more true uh, to the characters and it's also a lot funnier to me oh it was a riot uh, even, <laughs> even and you know and and growing up um you know being in a catholic school and everything i love whenever a movie gets into situations with clergy and stuff like that where i'm like as soon as i met danny and we got into that scene i go oh god what is she gonna <laughs> All right, this is great. And I love I love the little um subversion of the character where the, you know, the the cute little girl working for him that, you know, Danny thinks she gets a read on would want nothing more than to just, you know, like, you know, take take all of that away from him and sleep with him and have this whole thing. Wants none of that. She's like, no, I just want to get out of here and go on with the world. I was just too nice to say anything. Yeah, and then she Danny like accidentally is, empowers her in like the way she didn't mean to. <laughs> and, and then Danny's like, well, guess, guess I got to take one for the team. And you're just like, wow, this movie is ridiculous. And I love it. And, and it, and it turns him into a villain, a, a, a villain that, you know, you know, ends up, you know, being ruined himself and in you know in the hospital where where our real villains which you know that brings me to our 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 two our two buddies or the 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 living is it one or two of them there's only one that ends up still living because remy bashes him with a skull instead of biting him um yeah but i want to get back to that scene the breakout Uh, scene Mm -hmm. Uh, oh yeah so i should go back to uh remy uh yeah in, in terms of getting henry on board and everything yeah so the in regard to how how he turns up at the end dying and, and it's like uh again like killing the dog and it's uh it's a, another casualty of Danny's uh, if you want to look at it that way I kind of do um because everyone by the end of the story who they meet either ends up dead or worse off than they started after they meet Danny um oh, it doesn't yeah. seem like volunteer does but there's an easter egg for eagle eyed people that shows that she did not <laughs> she did not make out very well by the end of the story either um so uh so yeah so it was like okay uh 
no biggie. You just got to find like one of the most likable people you can uh, on no budget or just on like random casting calls. So I put up a casting thing on backstage and um, just watched. I watched if, if anybody had a video, I watched it. So I watched like over, I don't know, 1700 like snippets, at least of videos for oh multiple parts, not God. just Remy. But like Zelda, Zelda had a lot of people applying because I think the description was like, she's somebody who's your best friend five minutes after you meet her and is uh, just like fun loving. And and so I got a lot of people writing like, that's me, you know, so it's a common thing to uh, feel connected to. So there was, otherwise we ended up getting Megan, who I think was like the second person to apply. Um, uh, anyways, so yeah, so going through just tons and tons of, of Remy potentials. Um, I, I never ruled anyone out for their headshot unless except for two guys who were like in their 50s or 60s who were like i can play 30 you know those are the only two i outright rejected <laughs> but otherwise um i just went through any anybody who had a video and then i sent out yeah um the sides which were uh the tent scene where he's introducing everything very childlike love um, it you know, the puppets. Oh, the yeah. puppets. The funny thing is, in the sides, it doesn't say like what the song is or anything. It just says he does a song and dance with like the puppets. So I had videos of people just trying to improvise things or hold up fake puppets they made or, or stuff like that. Um, uh. But uh, there was, it wasn't feeling like 100% on anybody. And then there was one that was like, this guy seems like sharp and funny and like gets it, but he kind of exudes that he's like sharp, which is not great for Remy, but it's, it's something that, that, that might be a good, a good choice. He, he was a, he was a, a good actor. And then uh, I had gotten a message though from Henry, who was part of um, uh, this group called channel 101 in, in LA. Who everyone just kind of makes these um, five minute comedy shorts and uh, they uh, screen them for free every month. And um, you kind of vote on which ones are the best. And then you create a series if you keep getting voted back in. And so oh, cool. Karen, the producer who also played Margaret, um, was involved in that community and made a post on their their like private group about it. And Henry applied by sending me a message uh, on Facebook with just like a photo. And uh, I sent him this. I was like, oh, yeah, it kind of has the look I was thinking of, even though I'm not ruling anyone out on looks. Um, and I sent him the sides and I was just kind of waiting on that. And only like I only want to say only like two or three weeks before production, he finally had sent the video. And the first like five seconds was just him like it's just his face looking around as if he was in the tent kind of proudly. I was like, okay, and I just say something. And then he said the first line. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I told him and, uh, and we managed to get him on board with the short notice. Thankfully, thank God. <laughs> no, he, he nailed that, that it, I wouldn't even call it necessarily scatterbrained. He was just relaxed. Like he wasn't really in a hurry for anything. And that's a perfect, perfect way of, of being a young vampire that like, you know, I got turned into a vampire at 20, but I've been alive over a hundred years. So I understand that stuff's fleeting. I don't really need to be in a hurry for any of this. And I just love that. You know, like you said, he's completely comfortable in his life. Like if Danny could never come along, he'd just still be living in the woods, happy as a clam. If you know, this group of awful, um, or, you know, I won't say awful. They think they're doing the right thing. Both of these groups really do think they're doing the right thing. One of them is killing monsters and the other one is um, trying to save monsters, but not really realizing that they're monsters. And, yeah. You know, or that there's anything that what a monster is that if you yeah. generalize them in a particular way or not, um, there's I, no one to one in real life, really, with monsters, I think. No. So 
I was hoping I, no, nobody would think we're, just, we're speaking to some kind of marginalized group or anything, because uh, there's nobody no, who has I, to kill people to live. So there's not really a proper comparison. It was more if they existed, this is probably what would turn out as a result. And I and I love that kind of poke fun at though at both sides of people that argue over marginalized groups issues in the play of the characters. You know, of course, the people that would be running around, you know, like a modern day vampire hunter would be a little you know, alt-right-ish seeming or proud boyish seeming, or it's a little bit, you know, militant, you know, um, group. And then the other ones that are, you know, trying to protect them would seem, you know, like the, the, the leftist social justice warrior behind their computer screen the whole time, not really getting that once you save them, you still need to help them. You don't just move on to the next thing. And I love yeah, that you know, <laughs> when you and I talked earlier about Margaret, I've been thinking about it since is that what makes Margaret a character that transcends that group and what makes Kane a character that transcends that group is that they're both doers. Like Margaret chases down Alex in a car to get her attention. She doesn't just like send her a random email or, you know, a random yeah, thing. She to get her <laughs> That's list. why she can't speak yeah. to her very well because she doesn't have social yeah. media. So it's kind of awkward meeting someone instead. And I loved that, you know? That's kind of part of the fun of, of yeah, what doing the thing was was just, at first most people make that comparison that you did about each side but then when we were actually shooting it people were like oh no maybe kane is more of like like a, a, a radical leftist in a way if he's yep. looking at monsters as like you know like a, some something like the police or whatever then that completely recontextualizes Absolutely. how you think of him. his attitude exudes one kind of caricature but then as he keeps talking you're like well he just he just it depends on who you think is the bad guy and their disagreement kind of ultimately turns into how do you deal with it um one is more pacifistic and the other one is more militant and uh and that's kind of just the i think something that everybody especially at the moment but i've always kind of had the struggle in my head of like well, i don't want to hurt anybody but i know that i probably could if things got tough enough you know like will it if uh we don't really have we don't really have an answer despite being alive for so long on how to uh, silence evil permanently without creating a cycle and that's just part of what this is um or so even a, is, is is evil just relative at that point you know what i mean yeah and that's, the, that's the harder thing yeah <laughs> it's gonna coax all this down because if they did go and kane just talked to remy i think that remy probably would start to be a little persuaded but danny would not allow it he'd, she'd probably like order him to kill them both and he'd probably reluctantly go through with it and, and over the many years uh maybe their relationship would start to fall apart <laughs> but um yeah so there's there's uh there's no uh, one way of handling anything it can be very case by case and complicated and messy um just be a part of the fun and and i love that the movie is able to and this is this is not a dig it's able to coast through that because if it's stuck with that too dramatically it would stop the movie from being fun like if 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 you don't have fun with danny you're going to start going, oh, she's awful. Like, why'd she do that? You know what I mean? But you have fun with her. And, and because she's charming, it's like, you know, she's strong and confident and she doesn't contradict herself. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, always the, the same the idea thing. Is that you hopefully <laughs> cerebrally disagree with, with Danny and Remy, but viscerally can't help but love them a little. And then oh. Kane and Margaret, you like cerebrally kind of are on their understanding and, and like, oh, they're, they're having conversations that I might think, but I don't like them. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't want them to succeed, even though I agree with them in a way. 
Um, so that's and even and even Zelda discomfort in people so that they can wonder why they feel the way they do in the way that Danny never really questions why she feels the way she does. Um, she, that's her that's her primary struggle throughout the story. And then you get Zelda, who's the you know voice of reason, who's been you He's know kind obviously that's the boat's world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who was like Remy's like you know adult quote unquote that he went to yeah. for you know help and direction. And they just idiotically freaking kill her. <laughs> accident. And I love. I actually applauded. I applauded. I was like, because that was, it, it reminded me of when Samuel L. Jackson gets taken down in Deep Blue Sea. I'm just like, <laughs> yes, yes, the only person that could have made any of this okay. <laughs> just, oh, they're just, no movie goes, sorry, nope. You, you don't get, you don't get to be here anymore. I love the um, different reactions to all those different things. Because we just kind of present it as it is from each character's eyes. So so, so for that moment, some people just find it hysterically funny when it lands on her, and then other people are, like, upset a little. <laughs> and um, and it's just, it, and it's all it's all totally reasonable response. <laughs> I think uh, have, there's no intent for, for any particular uh, reaction. Have you seen um, Bill and Ted face the music? Not yet, no. <laughs> okay, then when you do, you'll understand there, there's a scene where um, a whole bunch of people, um, wh which you know in the Bill and Ted universe doesn't mean that they're dead, but a whole bunch of people are killed. <laughs> um, and the thing that does it just has this reaction that would have fit perfectly in this movie, like immediately like, uh-oh, oh, no, 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 no. And it's just like so perfect. Like the, like the weight of what happened just like dumps on them. And I'm like, oh, that's so perfect. And I thought of that during this scene. Like I just need <laughs> that line. And it, it just, it's, it's, and then again, this, this is all meant in, uh, in positives. Cause it's just, you, you, the fact that I laughed so much in this, it's, it's a hard thing to make people laugh, man. It's uh, without it, without it seeming, you know, especially when you, when it's your first movie, right? Like, and that's why I, I like that you lead like Remy's big escape is so viscerally, it's still a beautiful scene. And, but it, it's, it's a horrific scene, the, the escape and, I mean, we haven't talked about your, your cinematographer at all yet, but what a well-filmed sequence. That whole blacklight, you know, um, evil dead multicolored blood thing going on there was just, that's like the real you show people like on a trailer to go, yeah, if, if, you, if you like what you're seeing right now, this is a movie for you. Because I went, wow, this is insane. Like, I didn't expect that from anywhere, you know? That's and funny, because that was a pretty like late decision, I think like a week or so out. I think the original idea was that everything was going to go green instead of red, which it typically does uh -huh. in a breakout scene. I was like, it should be green because it's, it's it's different and it fits the mood of the, the movie more and it's like a green light to go ahead with what they're doing. And then I was thinking about how things might get lost a little bit and I don't know what inspired it. I might have just seen somebody in like body black light paint on, on my phone or something, but I thought, what about black light though? Can we do that? Is that difficult? Can we talk to... I was like, I'm going to do black light. I'm going to order like two black light lights, and which is all we really needed, two black lights. And um, I think we ended up getting like two more from people who just happened to have them. And uh, I was like, yeah, we're going to do this. And we're, we're getting kind of jazzed on it. And we're like, we'll use uh, tonic water for some of the blood because it glows in the dark. Yes. And, uh, and some people were confused. <laughs> so we're like, can we do that? Um, we should talk to cinematographer Jaime, uh, who I should add shot like everything himself. Pretty, like he had like one person a day helping with lighting and, and as with the assistant camera stuff, but was pulling the focus, was doing all the handheld, was doing everything. Wow. Um, and, uh, and I, yeah, I was like, uh, so I went to him and asked him, he was like, yeah, it's fine. 
and then uh, and then there was also a concern that glow in the dark uh, tonic water would look uh, like semen because it, it would just be white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I was like, who cares? <laughs> who cares if it's gross? The scene is gross. It's all fine. I was about to say, have, um, have any of you read the script? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, big deal. And then, but then, but then, I don't, I don't know. More people started mentioning it, and then we kind of had blacklight paints just to paint like things like the, uh, the little cardboard archway and stuff that we have uh, in the movie, and um, and then it became like, well, we could. We did tests with the tonic water, and it didn't really glow that great when you're spraying it. It has to be like in a jar or something. So I was like, okay, let's use, let's let's make it red. We'll find a way to do that. We'll for the spraying shot where it comes out of the head. I just I just went into After Effects and masked all that, um, uh -huh. and then I added in the 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 camera splat because it could cover up little speckles that were impossible to cover up, um, and uh, with, with any red. And then um, we used this orange black light paint that was not working very well on the actual boxes on his body. Um, and I just recolored it in, uh, in Da Vinci to, to be red. Um, and, uh, and it's, and, and it was such a last minute thing that people were concerned about at the same time. And now it's something that shows up in like every review that it's a neon drenched extravaganza, even though it's really just one scene. And most of the movie is shot pretty like generally warm with some splashes of color. <laughs> it just, it, it's such a good lead up. And, and I think if it came later, it would seem like it it wouldn't fit as well if it came later. What what it, it kind of sets the tone. It, it it shows you how dangerous Remy can be. It shows you that yeah, Danny Danny thinks stuff through, but then doesn't think stuff through. Um, it shows you you know um, just like how talented the people behind the camera are. And you telling me more that you can pull you pulled that off kind of like slapped together is even more impressive because it it just feels so thought through. And I mean that out of respect. Cause oh, I certainly I, thought I, through it when we were doing it, but um, I carry, the, I carry myself, <laughs> I carry myself a little bit as a cinematographer. And so watching, watching any movie like this, where I know that, you know, people like me made this and not people, you know, with ILM behind them. Um, I, I went and thought through, okay, how do you do this? And it, just hearing you talk that out, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's probably what I would have done there. That's so cool. But I don't think, I think it's unique. I think that's why people talk about it so much. I don't think I've seen anything like it. And it feels like it just works. Like the movie goes, okay, yeah, there's security system turned on and it happens to turn on a bunch of black lights. And then we have this cool scene. You also used some of my favorite horror tropes. Blood is such a wonderful thing because it, when, when you see someone get stabbed in the head and it's gory and gooey, that's one type of movie right but seeing someone trapped in a room with a guy you've already seen be brutal walk towards them and then you cut to a person outside the door with blood hitting the windows and coming out from under the door and then neon color it it was just so visceral and brutal and yet fun at the same time because you made it neon so it still never lost the fact that i'm supposed to be enjoying myself here you know oh yeah for sure that makes sense <laughs> i don't know and, and I just think it set the tone really well for the characters because then you can have that middle where Danny and Remy are just kind of bonding and having fun and getting to know each other without yeah. needing, without needing <laughs> the some in the giant... end, It kind of comes full circle as a monster thing, but most of the yeah. movie, they're just kind of hanging out and just kind of being awful to people. <laughs> and that's pretty much it, you know, like in, in the center. So that's why I don't even like think of it as a horror comedy necessarily because we never have really the intent to scare even if we pull... 
the tropes over and everything. A lot of it is I try to like set the expectation of like a lot of this is just going to be sitting around and chatting. <laughs> and that's and that's what I love about it. I was riveted just because it's it's fun. I, I like it, it's you know, and I've gotten into arguments with people about stuff like this before. They go, well, how can how can I enjoy a movie where the characters are awful people? And I go, well, the problem is, is are the characters awful people? But in their world, do they still fit the protagonist seat for you? You know, I, I think they can be like the worst in the world. But as long as they're fun to watch, it's a different thing. Um, and, and sometimes that'll happen I, with characters who are supposed to be annoying in a movie where you go, oh, they're, they're kind of annoying. And then people say, well, that's the point. It's, but in universe, they should be. But they should still be fun to watch. Like I compare a lot to um, like Dory and Finding Nemo. Fun to watch yep. for us. But annoying in the context of the movie, like I understand why people would be annoyed with her. And I think that that's a, a very deft thing to pull off. Uh, you have to be careful about instead of writing off like, well, if they're supposed to be annoying, I could just write them however, you know, annoying I want to uh, without really considering how entertaining it is at the same time. And so that's where that's where that that pull comes from of, of them being this uh, uh, early fun to watch. But uh, cerebrally, maybe at odds with the. Uh, what you would want them to be doing but then you kind of do want them to do bad things because it is so darn fun yeah like like poor father williams i i know where where where, where did you where did you find him because he adds a ton of um i what's the word there's if if you had walked into that church and it was another young person do you know like like their age you know what i mean like you feel like you're in good hands a little with it yeah yeah, and, and I and I do I feel bad for him, at, even though at the same time it's like okay, I I want Danny and Remy to you know to make this work out for them. I feel really bad for him, but then then the way that he kind of just is able to you know what no these guys that want to go kill this thing yeah I'm coming with them we're gonna take these fuckers down and I'm like all right so maybe not <laughs> but but um I he he played the character really well because you feel really bad for him when you're supposed to. And you Let's feel very it. comforted and warm with him when you're supposed to. And it makes Danny all the more interesting when she's like, yeah, 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 but, but, but moving on. <laughs> like the way that she, and I'm like, Does oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That scene where, where she's getting the church from him, it was like, like, I don't know, like a few lines longer where she just kept on going. But it seemed like we were just hit, like nailing it in over and over. So I think the main thing we needed to get to was that, uh, so you're saying I could have gotten it even cheaper is like the big line. Where people are like, oh, <laughs> I love so, it. But uh, yeah, the, the actor is uh, Lou Hobson. We got him on backstage. He sent in uh, an audition tape and that little bit that he did with his collar where he takes it off and he kind of like rips it after like a little struggle. That was, he kind of made an actual collar for his audition tape and like actually struggled with it for a second, but it, it just added something that really stuck in my head. And uh, yeah, we brought him on and, and it's funny to, hang around him uh offset versus in the movie because he's so so hip and cool and uh not like an old soul or anything that you see in the movie and he's got this really great album of, of some funky music <laughs> if you can look that up look up Blue oh cool uh bring the funk or, or something along those lines uh we all got we all got cds from him um uh yeah um yeah you need you need people <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was the tricky thing. So after getting a likable uh, character in Remy, you also need to get likable people for them to ruin so that you can yes. feel how bad they're ruining those people. Because my concern also with like Zelda was we need to, 
at first she was a little more he he was a little more like innocent in the way he talked to her like he was disappointed when he said uh, like oh it's like you're boring too now but um so i kept trying to lean into that while we were shooting um but then in the edit i, I pulled from one of the earlier takes when he was yelling at her more because it in the context of the movie, we're hanging out with these really likable people and somebody comes in and even if they're right, they might come off like, uh, like, who are you? Like telling them what to do now. Get out of here. I, I hope you die. You know, I want I want to just actually be sad a little bit when she dies and not uh, and not like good riddance. It, you should you should feel at odds more, more than feel completely on Danny's side, who does not really care at all when she dies, other than she has to clean up this body now. Yeah. I got this. Don't worry. Yeah, I need to get fucking rid of this lady. Uh, and and it, and I like the um, the parallel there because she actually genuinely does feel bad when when Remy dies, even though that's her fucking fault too, um, in, in one way or another. Yeah, that's With, the like, first it, time it, she really realizes that she cares about anyone else but herself. I, I um, love the dumping the AB blood on on his uh, ashes there was really cool because he talked about how and, and I wonder you know I sat there going okay movie. You haven't shown me anything up to this point that you have enough of a like campy heart to do like a Disney tier, bring someone back to life thing. So please don't have him rematerialize right now. And I like that. I was very concerned kind of, people would think that. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I wanted to really, really hammer it. He is dead. He yeah. has blood. She's he has a hole in his chest that she puts his finger, her finger through. Um, I love it. <laughs> with really long finger, I guess if she was only putting her finger in there, but it doesn't matter. Um, she could put her whole hand up his wound. Uh, and uh, yeah, I wanted to really nail in. He is dead. He's not coming back because I feel like <laughs> been subversive enough up to that point that it's reasonable to expect that maybe when she's when we cut to the close up of her crying that we could hear his voice instead of hearing Margaret's voice, which is get up, Danny. Um, and at that point, yeah, I'm hoping everyone's good, good to go and not thinking that he's going to rematerialize. <laughs> No, it's, I just worried about it for a quick moment. And I was like, no, they're not going to do that to me. It would be funny, but I don't want you to do that to me. Um, <laughs> now, I, I asked you this in, in our talking back and forth and, and questioned this, you know, in my review only in my, you know, just I, I always like to know, like, think about more about what's going on. But th the then explosion that goes off, is that her like just dousing the church and getting rid of the evidence? Or is there something else going on? That there? is. That is uh, in reference to basically a throwaway line in the uh, the tent scene where she says, you mentioned something about AB negative blood, right? So uh, we take a bunch of it out of a church and then we blow it to hell to cover our tracks. Ah, and okay, good. Perfect. That she stole this blood from. So it's even worse than blowing up the church. That's why yep. you're screaming. And yeah. You probably could have so mentioned it, it one more time. Just, just no, to really no, no. nail it. I think. But. Remember, I watched I watched a whole bunch of movies in a short period of time, so it it, it could have just been my, you know, I I just I wanted to hear it from you, so I wasn't stuck for the rest of my life thinking what was I missing something? <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. Concerned. Alex brought that up as well as like it's mentioned so fast, you know, people might not know what's what's going on, which is fair. She also had concerns about how awful Danny would be, which is an early thing that we had to go through with each other. When she first read the script, she was concerned that everybody would hate her because she'd be playing such a terrible uh, person in her eyes. And uh, she's like, maybe we could like keep the heart, but maybe like get rid of some of all this dark stuff. I was like, well, it's a dark comedy. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is the way it's going to be. So, uh, but uh, I said, I said, I, I don't know. I reassured her that like, you're you. So it doesn't really matter like what you're doing. You just have a particular energy about you. And when you're saying these 
fast, funny lines, people are just going to naturally be inclined to uh, watch you and enjoy you. And yeah. uh, that has largely uh, turned out to be the case. So I think she's relieved. <laughs> no, that is it all the way. You don't, there's, you, you definitely, like you said, Danny is definitely not a good person fully, but you love her to death. You never stop liking Danny. Like she, she could be stabbing you in the face and you'd be like, yeah, but you know what? You're awesome. I'm sorry. Yeah, her, big, her big emotional <laughs> epiphany at the end is, oh, I I felt good because I cared about somebody other than me. <laughs> That's it, it, a pretty basic thing <laughs> to yep. uh, think. Yeah. It's the Scott Pilgrim line. <laughs> the, you know, the, 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 you learned self-worth and how to care about yourself and others. Oh, that's all I needed to do? Huh. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I... so much time trying to replicate just uh, the feeling she had. That, that, was, that was another writing challenge was the idea of how do we really nail in the fact that her, her past, what made her feel so good about letting the devil out, wasn't doing the right thing. It was about a personal epiphany that she had. Because I was thinking, like, well, nobody can tell her that because she has no friends. And then she, the whole idea is that she's not aware of it. So she can't explain, oh, I had this epiphany and and that's why it felt so good. And now I'm trying to chase the epiphany. She's just trying to chase a feeling that she had. Um, and so thankfully, because it's comedic, we can play on that and just have her explain it and then completely miss the point in the arcade scene where she goes, it's weird that this doesn't feel the same. I did all the, the tangible things. You're in a cage. Like, what's what's going wrong? And then by the end, she realizes, oh, this is feeling good, not because I'm just helping somebody who's, who's a, another monster. It's because I actually love somebody else. No, ab- absolutely. And it that that comes through fully. Um, I, God, there's just so much cool going on. And, and here, here in the background, I, I wanted to touch on uh, on one last thing. So the, the Jersey Devil, when that shows up, that's a fun, like, aha, you know, moment. Like, no, she hasn't been traveling alone. She's had this thing with her the whole time. Maybe she's running around chasing a feeling. Maybe she's running around feeding this thing. Who knows what all the X's and everything across the country really mean, like what's been going on. And I, I love that that's kind of left as a mystery. Um, but the way the Jersey Devil looked, was, was that stop motion? That is a big-ass puppet that um, oh, cool. had for the student film um, <laughs> by a guy named Jesus Vega. And uh, it was the biggest expense on that student film, which didn't really have any budget. Um, and uh, it still, years later, held up really well. And uh, I brought it out when I, when I moved uh, across the country and uh, was ready to bring it back. I wanted to do it a little more justice this time because last time we, we uh, played with the, the puppet, it, uh, I feel like we didn't utilize it to its fullest potential. So, we did, you know, it's still very brief in this, but um, try to keep it lit in darkness and... Uh, have uh, have some fun with it yeah so so that's, that's just a, a big puppet and when it's in the trunk uh henry is actually like tucked his whole body in my trunk and is doing it while i'm directing like okay more fluid but a little bit faster at the same time and, and then when it jumps out uh alex and i were, were like kind of puppeteering it at the same time a little bit to make it jump over cool man it <laughs> it's such a you said it's brief and to juxtapose with the like neon fun of the first horrific scene there's i mean it's awesome that you know our antagonists are getting what's coming to them but at the same time what a awful (laughs) way to go holy (laughs) shit (laughs) no yeah that's what i'm always interested in finding out how people feel about that moment because a lot of people are kind of like they seem like they have kind of like a cheer moment to it when really like it's (laughs) 
I do not think they deserve what happens. <laughs> Certainly, no, with Margaret, Margaret wow. really just can't win. Everybody seems to hate her so much, and it's like she starts off. She's not like it's not because she's an activist. It's because she's like a communal one. She's one who does it for the sense of community and like being a part of a group. And uh, yeah, like hanging out a little more. It's she doesn't really care care. She just it's a when she when she talks to Father Williams about um, how uh, they uh, got the. the they didn't catch the chupacabra. Her big ending to the story is initially, oh, we were in the town paper. Um, you know, yeah. and then he has to act, like prompt her, well, what happened with the thing? And she's like, oh, oh, yeah, he's he's okay. Um, and uh, and then she goes through that arc of both guilt and also viscerally seeing things in person and being guilted into actually doing something for once, um, which isn't necessarily something that I think is uh uh like warranted for her all the time. You can be very, you can be very helpful just being online all the time. I think she's right in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, oh no, that's that's what I love kind of about the character into doing what she does in a way. She's kind of she, we're really hard on her, and I hope that it's not that people think that we're just making fun of you know all people who want to do the right thing. It's because she's kind of all of us in a way, and not really sure what to do. Um, no, and then it's, it's hates her for that shining being, a light on being about being a pacifist. And then at the end, when she does do what everyone wants her to do, she does it to someone we like, so everyone still hates her. So it's like Margaret just can't win. No, it's 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 shining a light on you know just the the way you can be well meaning and pointed in the wrong direction. And like you said, when you get to a shit off the pot or get off the pot moment, and you just make a decision that you know, okay, right now this feels great to me. Like I did, I've, I now stand and care for something and I'm doing something real and the world just still looks at you and goes, yeah, sorry, no. <laughs> uh, and that's, and that's why I love that Kane and Margaret at that point. Yeah. Okay. They killed Remy. Um, you know, Margaret's big mistake is probably not killing Danny as well. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And then the goddamn Jersey devil skins them alive. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like. <laughs> That was shocking, and I, and I mean that because the movie is so light and fun that that's mm -hmm. just like oh, and, and like you said, I I felt kind of bad, you know. I'm like they no, I don't want them to die. I've I've actually kind of grown to understand them now, and like I want all of these people to like get together and realize the error of all of their ways. And the movie goes, nah, Danny has the upper hand. She's just gonna keep <laughs> doing bad. <laughs> she is when she becomes like a better. Um, she completes her arc, she kind of ends up worse than ever, <laughs> is the idea. Yeah. So it's a very happy ending for her, but you see from what she does at the end with the explosion and everything, she's off on track for uh, much worse things, especially when you see, um, did you see what happens after the credits? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. want to leave that one. I want to leave that one for the viewers when they find this thing out, because, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. So if everyone keeps asking if there's another story, like, oh, would... What kind of adventures could she have? I'm, I'm telling them, like, if, if there's more, she's much worse. And it's, I've got an idea of what it would be. And it would be more of like a, a really kind of bleak, angry thriller kind of vibe. It would, uh, you would, you probably wouldn't find her as cute anymore. Um, nah, I'm, chase, the I'm chasing the is. high. And unfortunately, <laughs> that high that I feel means all of you need to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Be careful what you wish for kind of thing. People who want more Danny. Because uh, she's what she's come to learn is that she's not confused anymore. Now she's very uh, clear-minded on how she feels about things, which is that I don't fit in with the world. 
And uh, when I am happy, the world shows up and takes it from me. So I'm not I'm not going to make any bare bones about trying to fit in or trying to appease them. Uh, oh. <laughs> there's no cute scatterbrainness anymore. <laughs> no, she's just a, a full-blown maniac and proud of it. God damn. Well, I, uh, I'm just honored that you wanted to talk. And this has been... I, I love seeing how eye-opening every one of these processes can be, even though you're all... You know, all these movies are coming from, you know, a place of, you know, love, commitment, hating the production because production is a bastard, even if you're doing fun things with your friends. Um, I, I imagine I imagine your budget wasn't huge. You don't have to say what it was if that's something you hold down, but it's still amazing what folks can pull off. It's way I, more I, than, than uh, uh, Lenny's, uh, which is okay. like a fraction of ours. I was like, what the I, fuck? When yeah. He said 12. <laughs> That broke me. Like my, fr- like I told you, we we made a fifteen minute long zombie movie and had friends that were just good at makeup do the makeup. So we spent nothing, and then my buddy came in and goes, "I bought you eight thousand dollars worth of guns, so it looked authentic, like like air- airsoft replicas." And I go, "I guess our movie's budget is eight grand. All right, <laughs> that's that's how much El Mariachi cost twenty years ago." <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but no, uh, you know. I, I just am amazed at what at what people can pull off. How how big was the was the set? Like how many people were on set? Um, not too many most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I didn't like these, like this wasn't like oh, just a gang of friends getting together kind of a thing. So everybody did get paid, which is part of why there is <laughs> there is you know a sizable enough budget. It was it was very small for the most part. I think the biggest it ever got was I think I counted twelve people or something one day. Yep. Because it was the day with the church with we had like you know a bunch of extras and more 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 cast than usual. And I remember like walking off from a little bit and coming back to the base camp and somebody some somebody's like strumming a guitar who's and then somebody else's I don't know other people are just chatting. It was very surreal. It was like it's weird that they're all here for something that I'm doing right now because yes. oh that's I think so about cool. this feels nothing about this feels like a professional thing and I haven't done anything like this before. So usually I'm on other people's sets like this. And we had an Airbnb at one point and I remember like lying in there and looking up and feeling like, oh, this feels like when I would work on student films and we would I would just be like sleeping on someone's floor. Except when I showed up this time, Karen as producer is like, I have this bedroom saved for you. And I was like, What? I got a bed? <laughs> the whole thing has felt uh, very surreal in a in a good way. And oh god, n- now that you mentioned the extras, you know, I, and the extra cast, you know, I know we we hit on the leads, but I wanted a shout out as someone that you know loves the movie. Your 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 extended cast was great. The churchgoers all added a really sad kind of. Oh, I don't want these people to lose this. And Danny <laughs> all <just> their casually <laughs> shooing them off. <laughs> all their prayers improvised. Also, and I was like. Uh, we basically just stuck a oh, camera really? into their faces and said, "Like, just say a prayer," <laughs> and and just end it with with uh, "World Peace and World Hunger," that line, so we could echo oh. back to it later. And so they all just kind of went for it. And I, I, some of them name dropped people, so I'm assuming they they mentioned like actual family members and things. Um, so oh, that was- that's awesome! <laughs> but I want to give you a chance to do a shout out to anything we would have missed. Um, anything else you want to say about the film, um, or anything else you have going on, or where you want to point people to? to you know find out what you're doing next whatever you got this is uh, your sounding board good sir and I, again i really appreciate it i guess i would I'd pay attention to some of the things throughout the movie that are like uh there's some foreshadowing about the jersey devil reveal um in regard to the trunk it, bring, it comes up a couple times um 
And if there's ever a screen or pieces of paper on screen, then uh, read everything you can because there are some little fun things, especially on the, the news uh, report in the hospital because I was just making that myself. So I could add whatever I wanted into the ticker and things like that. Oh, cool. Fun bonus stuff in there. Stuff that we could carefully compose that uh, we couldn't on set. You can make we couldn't make fake posters and really make a, a cool coming from that animation background. Uh, uh, you know, constant Easter egg fest because we were just so by the seat of our pants constantly. But in post, you can do whatever. So yep. And and, and anything else is there? Um, is there uh, can be spoken about um, future showings and places people will be able to find this, or is that still? You know, wow, we got into a festival and we're just riding that for a little while kind of thing. Yes, right now um, we're going to be shown at uh, Dead Northern, um, which is uh, one in the UK that I guess they have some kind of, um, I don't know, socially distanced hotel set up with uh, where they're going to be screening things on Halloween. Um, and they're screening a lot of things like like uh, uh, Ghostbusters and Texas Chainsaw 2 and all these all these known things. And then they're like four indie things and we're one of them which is very neat we're on, oh, we're on Halloween that day um, and then we also are going to be in a virtual festival called the Soho Horror Film Festival um, November 7th I think the whole thing runs November 6th through 8th I believe we're supposed to be showing if it's a stream I'm not sure um, on uh, the 7th and we have uh, an introduction that I had uh, Alex record for it that's very fun oh great well, I'll be I'll be sure as hell looking out for those, and if I see you share them, I'll make sure everybody who views my stuff sees them because I want people to see this movie. So, guys, uh, this has been the Chippa, aka Chris Chipman. That's reversed for once, and uh, Max Workmeister, the writer and director of Danny and the Vampire, which was an absolute blast. You can hear my review. Go find it at those festivals and. Um, Max, you know when this thing is available to own, and even if it's just digital. Um, just send it my way so I can buy it because I want to support you guys because um, I want to see more stuff. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, for, for all this. Thank you, Max, for shooting the shit with Chippa. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.